If you're growing a business or just thinking about launching a startup, this is definitely the podcast for you. This is Fast Forward, brought to you by Tech Manchester. We support early stage tech focused businesses. Each week, we'll dive into the issues that we know keep entrepreneurs awake at night. We'll chat to experts who'll share their tips and advice on how to handle everything from raising finance, making your first hire, to getting your company noticed on social media or in the press. Running a business is a roller coaster. It's exhilarating, but it's pretty damn scary at times too. We're here to help you get your business off the ground and hopefully get a better night's sleep. It's hosted by me, Patricia Keating, Executive Director at Tech Manchester. Standing in a tin shed, waiting for the van to come. Oh, friend, have you seen where my golden tickets be? Are you worried about the future of your business? These are incredibly difficult and challenging times for every business owner and business leader. The lockdown, the fear, the uncertainty, it all means that your plans for the year ahead have just gone out the window. And on top of that, you have to manage everyone else's fears and their expectations whilst putting a brave face about your own. And what can you tell them when you're not even certain yourself? Now, disclaimer, these aren't my words, but those of my guest, Richard McMullen, founder of Enterpriser. He's currently helping businesses strategize to reduce the impact of COVID-19 on their business and reposition it to thrive in the long term. Thank you, Richard McMullen, for joining us today. My pleasure, Trish. Thank you for having me on. Uh, No, it's been great. I suppose this is one of the benefits of COVID-19 where his, you know, we would have typically had guests into the studio over at the campus at UK Fast, and that maybe would have proved a little difficult uh, for you, um, being all the way over on the RC uh, from uh, in my hometown. Yes. <laughs> so thanks to technology, we're we're getting to have this chat today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So listen, before we get stuck into the business aspect of of the podcast, I wanted just to check in, you know, um, with you. Um, how are things in Northern Ireland? How are the family? Um, is everybody well? Uh, family's all good, thank you. Everybody's, um, the five of us are in the house. I have, well, a 20-year-old and 18-year-old and a 15-year-old all in the house. But <laughs> the two boys are the two boys are actually working in one of my businesses during the day where we're still manufacturing. So they're getting some good labouring in. Um, good. But we're all good, thank you. We're all good and I hope the same with you and yours. Yes, no, likewise. Um, we're all locked down and safe uh, safe and staying home, which is what everybody should be should be doing. Uh, except for those key workers, those two sons, I like that you've got them out there um, doing a bit of hard graft. Yeah, it's, um, it's essential. <laughs> <laughs> listen, it's, it's, it builds uh, character. Um, so we wanted to talk to you about um, Enterpriser, Richard. I know that you have a number of um, different business interests, um, but Enterpriser was the one that jumped out um, at me. I have continued to follow you and your newsletters and blogs since I left um, the sunny shores of Northern Ireland three years ago um, when we used to be connected through our businesses at through Vistage. Um, and you had dropped in a newsletter recently about the importance of sleep 
and it, it caused me to look into Enterpriser and then I wanted to talk to you about everything that you were doing at the minute during the current crisis. Um, so let's let's talk about Enterpriser. You founded it in 2015. Um, what did you originally set out to achieve with that particular business? Originally, I set out to help uh, business owners with strategy, uh, how to how to create strategies to drive long-term value in the business and also how to implement them. So that's what I set out to do. And I'll be honest, it was it was more of a case if I'd left the role I was in, uh, I'd been trying to buy the business and was unsuccessful, had decided to move on. And a couple of friends who I'd been helping through the Vistage Group or who knew me through the Vistage Group asked me to come and help them grow their businesses as an advisor. And that's how it started, Trish. It was it was more accidental than purposeful, if I'm honest. Serendipity sometimes plays a part, doesn't it? Yes, very much so. So actually, I don't know, has the pandemic really had an impact on you and the consultancy then? Or has it really supercharged it because people are needing your services more or... What, uh, what impact has the, the current COVID crisis had? It's been interesting. So I just finished a long-term project at the end of January, mid-February, and was sort of taking a little bit, bit of a break, and then COVID hit. I have some clients on retainers, uh, so I've been working with them for, I suppose, a year, year and a half, and that they've continued. Um, I have a couple of new clients on board, um, and I'm talking to a few others, but it's it's almost there's a bit of, People are scared to do and spend any money, and they're in that fear phase. But others, all my clients are much more proactive than that, and they're already starting to look for the opportunities. So it's it's been interesting in that, you know. So there's some people still being proactive, and some people not, as you'd expect. Yeah, well, I think that's fear paralyzes people, and procrastination leads to failure. Um, doing yeah. nothing, I suppose. You know, I think that's a a, a lifelong le- lesson for any startup is. Doing nothing is not, you know, trying things and failing is is not failing. Um, but you've repositioned your offer a little bit. So how are you now helping businesses? How are you going about doing that in this current crisis? I, what, when, it, when it came along, I sort of thought, wow, this is very like 2008. Um, so I was running a high-end luxury furniture business at the time with 20 plus stores across the UK and Ireland, you know, 300 employees. And crash came business stopped, everybody in the lockdown panicked. And I went back and thought about that. And what, what we did at the time was we, we consolidated. We said, right, what the heck do we need to do now to batten down the hatches to give ourselves time to deal with this? We then spent, once we did that, we then spent some time considering what to do next and actually thinking hard about what we need to do short term, what we need to do long term, how do we reposition the offer? And then we started to build that and every 90 days came back and checked and get into a cycle of that. So going back to that 2008-9 experience, I've basically just been saying to my clients, right, consolidate, which is do the short-term actions you need to protect the business, get your cash flow sorted and under control, and make sure you're communicating with your staff and treating them well, because how you deal with them and treat them now will determine how engaged they are post this crisis, how they react, how they and whether or not they stay with you. So once you've done that consolidation, that's the main thing that gives you breathing space, time to think. And I'm now with my clients moving into that consider phase. So how might the world turn out? What does that mean for you and your offering? What does that mean short term for when the pandemic passes and we get start to get back out? 
what does it mean longer term? And starting to do that thinking and set out the strategy for dealing with that. And over the next few weeks and months, we'll move into the starting to create the new value proposition, to create the new marketing collateral, to build new competencies, to streamline operations, whatever it is, we'll start building that over the coming months to get ready for for the new normal, I guess you call it. Yeah, definitely the new normal. I don't think it'll ever go back to the way it was. No. Um, so, um, you know, it sounds like, it almost sounds like grief, doesn't it? You know, the ones that have, you know, gone through the, you know, kind of like, no, it's not happening. This isn't going to happen to us. You know, the people who've got through that to, oh my God, it's a disaster. Everything's awful to, right, what are we going to do about it? Those people <laughs> maybe and, yeah. and sound like your clients or you've certainly maybe counseled them through that um, to help them through it quicker, um, maybe on the front foot on this a little bit. Um, but let's go back to the consolidate piece that you mentioned there. Um, you were talking about sort of the shorter term kind of batting down the hatches, um, cash flow and staff. Like what are the some of the things like underneath those sort of top line things that businesses should be thinking about or could be considering that you've seen or, or working for your clients? So if I so if I go to the cash management first and, mm-hmm. and, if, and if any of your listeners wanted, there's a a free guide on my website about 15 steps you can do to get free up cash and take control of your cash flow. Um, but really within that, it's a case of understanding where your cash is at the moment, what's going out, what's coming in and forecasting that. And then it's it's simply working with your suppliers who you owe money to your creditors and agreeing payment terms with them, working with your customers to make sure you're agreeing payment terms with them to get the money in that they're going to pay you. And then the third bit is, is simplistically is talking to your lenders and your financiers about rescheduling payments, borrowing money, whatever it is, so that your cash, available cash, the point when you run out of cash is rather than mm-hmm. a month or two months or three months is six months, nine months, 12 months. Yeah. So once you've done that and you keep the cash flowing, so you just don't stop paying people because that damages relationships and you're going to be in a bad place when you come out the other side. So it's how you keep the cash flowing to extend that point in time. Because if you've got so, – so one one client, when I asked the question, when do we run out of cash, went, oh, went away and thought about it. It was actually 12 months. So no money coming in the door with enough money to last for 12 months. And suddenly your conversations change. Stress yeah. goes away. Panic goes away. And you're in a much better position. So, so understand your cash and what that means. And it will de-stress you considerably. And it gives you time to think. So, so that for me is that consolidating your cash position and understanding it, taking control of it. That's probably the most important first step. And I say probably the most important and I'm just about to contradict myself. (laughs) (laughs) Communicating with your staff. They're all important. They're all important. (laughs) Yeah. Like this is, you know, this overused word, unprecedented, unparalleled, you know, there is nothing like it. I know we said 2008, you've learned some lessons from that and no doubt they have stood in good stead, but really there's still not, like it's still, you know, nothing like what we're all going through now. Oh, it's, it's, I don't get me wrong, it's completely different, but the... Outcomes, if you will, the consequences in terms of business closing, people not yeah. having available cash, people being worried about the future. The, the, the cause, the 
The cause of this is very different. The nature of it in terms of the lockdown, very different. But some of those outcomes and the, yeah. the feelings and emotions it's creating in people are similar. So mm-hmm. it's not the same, but there are parallels I think you yeah. can draw on from, from previous yeah. crises. So the next step, you were about to contradict yourself there. <laughs> oh, no, no. It was just that bit in terms of consolidation, mm. working with your team, keeping your, you're communicating to your team. That's just, you, you've got to, I think as you read in the start there, you've got to manage their expectations. You've got to help them. This is when true leaders stand up and appear and give people hope and confidence and 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 see a way through it. And but also you need to be honest. So you can't be all Pollyanna about it. But you got to work with your people because they're looking to you right now. If you're the owner, if you're the leader, they're looking mm. to you for that guidance. And you got to provide it. You can't shy away from that. You can't hide away from it. We touched on uh, before we joined the record before we started the recording about um, some of the things that that businesses can do, uh, particularly around furloughing. Um, what has been your experience um, with some of your clients there? The the approach my clients are taking, it all depends on cash flow, but the approach my clients are taking, uh, which I strongly recommend. So one has been absolutely exemplary, but they've been through this before. Um, number of stores, they've had to furlough everybody because they're not essential. The frontline team, they are uh, continuing to top up the full salary. Mm-hmm. The managers are, are and First-line managers are the same. The more senior managers are getting a little bit of a top-up on the furlough, and the directors and the very senior managers aren't. So, mm-hmm. so they're, they're getting a little bit, but effectively they're just getting the furlough. And what they're saying is that the people at the front line, the guys in the, on the shop floor, losing them losing income has a much more massive impact on their lives and their stress and their fear than us as the senior managers and as the owners and directors. So we take the hit to allow them <clears throat> to come out of this and, and you know, to, to, to manage their fear and expectations. And that's exemplary. That's the sort of approach you need to take. I've seen mm-hmm. others and I've heard of others who take the opposite approach, which is, yeah, we're going to furlough people. And you know what? We'll ask them to do some work. I've heard of that. God. And it's like, you're having yeah. a lot. Really? Exactly. You're, 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 you're laughing and saying, God, that I, it's unbelievable, but that will come back to bite them hmm. because those people, they know they don't have any choice at the moment. We saw it in 2008 and 2001 as well. People don't have a choice right now, but when they do have a choice, they yeah. will stay with those employers that treated them well and they will leave those that didn't that took advantage. Yeah. You should be advising the premiership footballers, I think. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> they could take a leaf out of that book. Um, yeah. So, so when they've consolidated and they've addressed those sort of urgent needs, you know, you know, batten down your cash flow uh, to lift the pressure off by extending your cash survival rate and look after your staff. Um, and they get that headspace. What, um, you know, you, you mentioned there about going into the consider phase. This is where, you know, businesses are maybe finding themselves now. Um, what could they be doing um, now or thinking about for get keeping their businesses moving forward, you know, whether that's during the p- pandemic or beyond. Yeah, it's, I, I'm saying to my clients, look, take time to read and reflect. 
spend a bit of time with the family or whatever it is, but but spend a lot of time reading and reflecting to start with. Don't jump into things. And this is more relevant if your businesses are completely closed, but but even for those that are going to do still trading, take time out to reflect and, and ask yourself a couple of questions. What do I think it's going to, what might it look like when the business is back trading or when things start to get back, you know, when, when the restrictions are lifted? What might it look like then? And the other thing is, what might this mean for my customers, my market, and how things work in the longer term in that two to three, five year picture? And mm-hmm. and I'm not saying, and if you notice, I'm not saying, what will it be like? I'm saying, what might it be like? Because yeah. if you ask yourself, what might it be like? It opens up your mind to different options and opportunities and considerations. So in a, in a previous life, you might, when I was a proper strategy consultant, you know, doing working with FTSE clients, I was a scenario planner. So I, I, I created scenarios, stories of the future, and then we, we created business opportunities and evaluated business models against those to say, here's what you should do, here's things you need to plan for, and here's, here's places you shouldn't go. So it's about creating different pictures of the future and saying, well, if it looks like that, how do I play the game? And if it looks like that, how do I play the game? And as you do that, you start to see, well, actually, in those three or four different stories of the future, there is, I, I need to do this in all of them. So that's something I, I should be building into my business model because it's going to work whatever happens. Some of them you will go, hmm, that's going to happen in that world. So I just need to think about that and be ready. If I see that coming to pass, we need to be ready to do that. And you will see, you will see other situations where you go, if I see that happening, I need to completely change the direction of the business and do something completely different, but I'm going to wait for those signals to appear before I do that. So you're really, you're really starting to say, how am I going to play the game in the longer term? And there's two elements to that. The first is, what am I going to do to reopen my doors or to start trading again and ramp up again as the lockdown eases as people start to get back to what I'm calling the new normal, whatever that may be. So rather than waiting and going, right, it's time to get back to the business, think about what you can do now to help ease that transition. Think about what you want to be happening on that first day and prepare for that. So I have one client, for example, who needs a new roof in their kitchen, in their hotel, hasn't done that because it's dead hard by trading's happening. They will do that before they reopen. So there's mm-hmm. opportunities there. And then longer term, it's your customers' needs will change. They will have different problems, different pain points. How are you going to reposition your business to solve those? What are you going to do to build those new competencies, new marketing collateral, new sales and marketing playbook, the new value proposition, whatever it is? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? And you, so you start to consider that and get so that you're ready to take action and you can move into the create phase to make those things happen. Yeah. And it's, it's what you can do to look after your customers now. Like the, the example you gave earlier with the, the business worked out, it had 12 months of cash flow without any income. Could it yeah. then ease the demands off its own, you know, uh, supply chain, its own credit, uh, its own uh, customers by giving them a bit of a, a breathing space? And those are the things customers will remember when we come out of the other side of this. And that's exactly what we've done. So yeah. for for the customers, we are not we're working with them on payment terms. Yeah. Very generous. I'm working with yeah. them on payment terms to give them 
breathing room because if we don't they're going to disappear and we're going to lose customers so yeah so it's just nuts you know so to stop paying people or to chase hard for payment that isn't there yeah doesn't work it's yeah definition of insanity yes now, we've, absolutely. we've talked about looking after the cash and we've talked about looking after the staff um but one of the things we haven't talked about is uh, looking after our health because mm-hmm. during this time of like heightened pressure we really cannot neglect it um, and you recently wrote a blog on um, the importance of sleep. And one figure in that's really stuck out of stuck out for me, you said that like four hours of sleep compared to eight hours um, reduces your ability to make memories by 40%. Like that's, that's incredible. But when we're, our, our, you know, our whole lives are out of whack right now. So how do we switch off entrepreneurs, business owners with all of these responsibilities you know, all the staff that they're responsible for and the mortgages that they have, you know, how do we switch off? How do we, what is your advice there? Um, so so the, the first thing I think is to understand the vicious circle that we're in at the moment. So we have all this crisis, sorry, all this uncertainty caused by the crisis. So that makes, you know, decision-making becomes more difficult and we're not sure what to do or how best to respond. That means we feel we feel we've lost control and we feel threatened. Feeling threatened makes that flight, freeze, fight response kick in. You get a cortisol adrenaline pumping around your body. The quality and length of your sleep gets disrupted. That lack of sleep heightens your emotional response to events. So so four hours of sleep versus um, eight hours, your your emotional response, the variability, your sixty you know, you react sixty percent more strongly after just one night of first sleep than mm-hmm. you do if you slept well. And that that heightened emotion response, that impaired ability to think, makes the uncertainty even worse, which makes decision making harder. And so you have that vicious circle going on, Trish, and, and how do you break it? Ultimately you know, you, you can do things to improve your sleep, the quality of your sleep. So to get better sleep, you need to exercise during the day. I would recommend exercise during the day, a long walk in fresh air. Keep your room dark and cool so you, you know, so that you, you need darkness to produce melatonin to sleep, to help you sleep. You need, your body needs to cool down a bit by a few degrees to sleep well. Avoid the beer, avoid the alcohol and the sleeping pills. They don't give you a natural good quality sleep. It's like not sleeping at all. Try and go and sleep and wake up at the same time. Don't use electronics an hour before bedtime. If you must, use a nightlight function. If you're going to read a book, make sure it's not a business or related yeah. book because otherwise your subconscious uh, goes, ah! I, had, I, I was reading Burned, Richard. I was reading Burned as my nighttime reading and I've had to stop. It's now my Sunday afternoon reading because I keep getting so angry. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, so read a novel that's engaging. Read yeah. a comedy book. I've been reading um, P.G. Wodehouse's uh, a, a big book of all the golf stories he wrote in the third on the in the thirties, which is hilarious. <laughs> so it's really really funny. So so do that. And the other thing I'd recommend is journal before bedtime. Because mm-hmm. gratitude's good for you, and dump out all those to dos and thoughts that you're in your subconscious, so it isn't trying to hold on to them and process them. Mm-hmm. That'll give you a better sleep. But but ultimately, that's only addressing symptoms. The, the, the ultimate cause of this is because of that 
fear and the uncertainty about what's going on. So you need to find a way of getting yourself back in control. So if you get back to that, consolidate, consider, create, that's that'll put you back in control. You're starting to take control of the things you can. As that as you start to feel that control, your stress levels drop, the adrenaline, the cortisol reduces, which helps you sleep better. You do those other things, you'll sleep even better. So it's really there's no there's things you can do to improve the quality and length of your sleep, but there's also things you need to do to break that um, feeling of loss of control. I mean, there, there's surveys that, you know, in terms of the need for or need for control, uh, one of them was in the late 90s in the civil service in, in the UK. And those people with low job control were twice as likely to have heart attacks than those with high job control. And as owners and leaders, we've high job control. So when you move to that that world of low low control and that feeling of loss of control, you're you're putting your health at risk. You know, you're risking you're increasing the risk of heart attack. If you don't sleep well, you're increasing increasing the risk of um sort of cancers yeah. and and all sorts of other illnesses. So it's a horrible, horrible, vicious circle we have to break to get feeling of control to get better sleep for mm. mental and physical health. Sorry, I'm sounding like a real. No, no. Like a real. <laughs> yeah, no. I think it's. But this is all. Good. It's all great advice, and I think it's that physiological, you know, impact of a, you know, of a of of something that's happening within your body. I think it's really important to know that. Um. So sleep, we've covered staff, money, um. But what about the work and family life balance? You've just mentioned at the top of the podcast, you've got three, uh, fairly grown children at home. Um, and, um, there'll be many listeners that will have a whole, uh, age spectrum. I've got a two and a four year old here at home uh, with me. (laughs) Um, so obviously lots of different challenges, but, um, how do you balance it? Um, how do you balance, what advice would you have for people to try and balance that work, family life, help reduce stress, get more out of it, you know, whatever, and, and still try and be, um, you'll never be as productive as you would in normal life. Um, because it's not normal situations. Um, but like, how how would you suggest people could do that? I can't. So it's it's going to be different for everyone. I can, I'll I'll explain mm. what works for me and and what a couple of my clients do. So what works for me is I like to get up in the morning, um, early, have a bit of breakfast, work through to you know sort of maybe start at seven, work through to twelve, half twelve, five and a half hours, really good work. And then I will stop probably for lunch about half twelve one, take a couple of hours mucking around, cutting the grass, chipping golf balls in the back garden, playing darts with the kids. <laughs> and then and then from three to half six, get back at it. Three to seven, get back at mm-hmm. it. And finish it, finish sharp at half six, seven, have dinner, go for a long walk, watch a bit of crap on the telly, spend time with the kids, whatever, and go to bed. So trying to build that routine Monday through Friday. Um, other people, other clients, they get up in the morning and go and do their, their walk or their exercise and then work through to one, two o'clock. I have one client who's got a, a seven-year-old and he basically, he stops work at one, spends three hours playing silly sods with his son, mm-hmm. has a brilliant time, is absolutely loving it, does mm-hmm. th- two or three hours in the evening and then... And then what you know, spend you know, watches with the telly chills out, but is actually using this and saying, "This is brilliant! I'm getting to spend three or four hours every day with my son that I didn't have before." 
Yeah. You know, so so, but but I think it's I think routine's important. Um, yeah. And I think getting as much quality time as you can with your family is is really important because that that laugh and that fun with them doing things together. It's time you'll never get back. Yeah. To be honest, it's it's for me. It's one of the biggest opportunities in this for people to reconnect with their family and friends. You know, and I don't mean going to see them. Obviously, I mean mm-hmm. we had we had uh, twenty of us on Zoom on Friday night, having a few beers and a laugh, and then yeah. with other friends we had a quiz. So the, there's ways of keeping connected, but actually for me, the big opportunity is here to spend more time with your family and have a bit of fun with the kids. If you're yeah. a busy owner or executive, you're you're going to miss that. Yeah, thoroughly agree. Um, Richard, you know, I think you've given us so many different points of advice with regards the business, um, looking after your staff and your uh, and your physical and emotional well-being. And I thank you for that. Um, we do like to wrap up with some immediate steps that businesses can take. And I'm going to ask you to maybe think about this from a protect, you know, protecting themselves today uh, question. So for any of those um you know, maybe uh, entrepreneurs or businesses that are, are maybe in that paralysis phase. Um, what is sort of, you know, a couple of things that they could go and do straight after listening to this podcast um, to maybe start setting things straight and protecting themselves for the future? Um, I suppose if you haven't already done it, the first thing to do is get control of your cash and your cash management to give you that breathing room. So that, that for me would be the very first thing then as you only really you can do that or maybe with the help of your team and your accountant but you've got to get control of that that will be the first thing the second thing is this is an incredibly lonely time for any leader if you don't have a support network around you get one so so ideas are you could basically build a support network with similar people in your industry talking to them once a day once a week whatever it is you could join a peer support group you mentioned vistage earlier which is where we met mm-hmm. um there's also you know entrepreneurs organizations and there's local mentoring clubs but but working with a, a group of peers will help you solve the problems help build confidence help get you clarity help help you feel in control or you know and i would say this because it's what i do Find yourself a good advisor, a good mentor who's been there, seen it and done it and work with them. Get them to help you through it mm-hmm. because they'll help you avoid the mistakes. I mean, I made a hell of a lot of mistakes back in 2008 and 2001. So I know I know where those pitfalls are. But there are people like me out there who, who can help and want to help and will, will give you that confidence, that feeling of control and clarity. So I'd recommend that. But before doing that, get in control of your cash and then when you're in control of that it's worth investing some money in that support some of the mentoring groups some of the peer groups are free if you have no money but but don't don't you know don't be penny wise and pound foolish because some money spent now with the right advice help and support is going to make this a lot easier and is going to help your mental and physical health uh, well-being and it's going to position your business to take advantage of this because there will be opportunities out there mm-hmm. and being ready for them is one of the most important things you can do now. Richard, I have thoroughly enjoyed listening to all of your advice that you've given us today with regards to business, our staff, the future 
and also our health and uh, mental well-being um, as that emotional um, caretaking is just as important as the financial one. Um, for any entrepreneur that's listening to this and um, are ch- finding challenges with any of those aspects of their business or personal life, I hope that this particular podcast has given you a better night's sleep. Thank you. Thank you very much, Trish. I've really enjoyed it. Like the fear from